If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank God we didn't get to miss out on our FAU preview, though. Sadly, the FAU game got canceled last week against Georgia Southern, so now we get to do that preview uh, this week before the home opener and now the season opener versus the USF Bulls. This will be the first showing for the new FAU coaching staff with Willie Taggart leading the way. No Chris Robeson at quarterback. Now you've got Nick Tronti. That's going to be a big shift. And they've also lost a lot of guys already, I believe, a lot have opted out, Jensen, if I'm correct, and there have been some injuries as well. Yeah, we've had five opt-outs already. Uh, none of them were expected to make too huge of an impact, other than uh, Karan Afis, who is a safety from last year. Uh, but it, it's all been opt-outs from the wide receivers and the defensive backs, which isn't always the best thing when they're coming from one position group. And then uh, John Mitchell also messed up his knee and will be out for the season, but he'll be back next year. So. Yeah, that might be a big blow. Um, do you have any more info on what happened with Chris Robeson? Because the last we've heard is he just left. Uh, is he trying to be a quarterback somewhere else, or is he just opting out of this year? Do you know what's going on? Uh, unfortunately, we haven't really heard anything else either. Uh, all Tiger would say is that he's not a part of the team anymore, and that's that, and just kind of left it at that. And then we've reached out to uh, – the uh, media relations and they've kind of just said the same thing that they won't confirm if he left on his own or if he was kicked off or if he's just not coming back or if he even has the possibility to come back. So uh, I'm not really sure what's going on with Chris. I haven't seen his name in the transfer portal. I haven't seen him on Twitter, Instagram, nothing. So not really sure what happened. Yeah. Just a really weird situation there with him just kind of disappearing essentially. And now he's nowhere to be found. We don't know what he's doing. So certainly weird. Uh, so you just had the press conference with the two coordinators at FAU. Uh, do you want to go into a little bit about that, what they were talking about today? Yeah, yeah. We got to talk with uh, Jim Levitt, the defense coordinator. And as people may know, he was kind of the, the one that started the whole South Florida program to begin with when they first came onto the scene in college football. And we were talking to him about that. And surprisingly, all he said was that he was just focused on today, what the defense is doing how they're going to prepare for them. Uh, he seems like they're in a good place and that they're going to be ready, but it's kind of hard to really know for sure unless your guys have been out there and been hitting other people besides just your own team. So he's kind of up in the air about how they'll do, but he's definitely excited and ready to go. And then uh, we talked with Drew Maringer, who's the offensive coordinator, and he, he was kind of along the same lines, just ready to play somebody that's not FAU-related. And – just really excited to get out there and trying to keep the team speared up after the game got canceled last week and ready to go. Well, that's all good to hear. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe FAU is still supposed to make up that Georgia Southern game at some point. Correct. It's it's right now they're thinking about having it scheduled for December 5th, but unfortunately that is also the day of 
the conference championship game for Conference USA and the Sun Belt. So if either of those teams are in the conference championship game, then obviously it won't be played. But if both of them don't make it, then they'll be able to play the game. So That's weird. I've, I've never really heard of them scheduling stuff like that. Um, so for the rest of the season, they get Charlotte next week, then they get USM the next week on the road, then Marshall on the road, then UTSA and Western Kentucky at home, then FIU on the road, and then MTSU on the road, Middle Tennessee, to finish out the season. And then now to finish the season, you'll get Georgia State, uh, Georgia Southern, excuse me, after that. Um, so how do you think this season's going to go, Jensen? Because now there's a new quarterback, a new coach. John Mitchell's gone so that there's less tools on the offensive side. Harrison Bryant is gone, the best tight end. And, and then also the other tight end opted out. He left as well. Uh, name Blanken for a second, but uh, this is a different offense, different coaching staff. Uh, I know there's some defensive guys that have left too. How do you think this season's going to go overall? I mean, overall, I, I'm pretty optimistic. The The thing that concerns me the most is obviously the defense. They've lost, I think it's eight starters off of last season's team. And that's definitely where they were carried last year. The defense was phenomenal in conference play and, uh, losing that many stars is going to be hard no matter what situation you're in. And when you're when you're having freshmen start on the defensive line, that's not always the best the best thing. Uh, right. I, I still think they'll be good, obviously, Conference USA at the end of the day. So Taggart's recruited really well. Lane also recruited well. So the talent is here. They can definitely, in my opinion, I think they could still win the conference. It's obviously going to come down to them and Marshall, in my opinion. Uh, Marshall's looking really good and they just beat a ranked Appalachian state team. This yeah. Past yeah. And Marshall's actually in the top 25 this week. So that'll be a tough one. Um, I'm re I'm really looking forward to see what Tronti can do though at quarterback. Um, they brought in the transfer wide receivers from Duke and Clemson and TJ Chase and Aaron Young. They brought in a transfer at tight end and Michael Irvin, the second from Miami. Uh, you get Willie Wright back. You have arguably the most talented running back group in all of Conference USA and arguably one of the best in college football, honestly, with B.J. Emmons, Malcolm Davidson, Larry McCammon. I mean, all Toronto has to do really is play like Jeff Dr or Jason Driscoll did in 2017. Just control the ball. Don't turn it over. Let your running backs kind of take over the game, play good on defense. And I, I don't see how – they don't at least compete for their conference championship. I won't go out on a limb and say that they'll win it, but they'll definitely be able to compete for it. Yeah, well, I mean, you just said it. I mean, they got the transfers in at receivers. So even though Mitchell's gone, Harrison Bryant's gone, you get some of these guys in to replace them. Maybe they can maybe not outdo them, but at least replicate what they did last season. And then the running backs didn't leave. So you have the same core at running back. They were great last year, except you had to deal with injuries. So that's the real concern with the running backs. A lot of them dealt with injuries last year. But uh, Tronti certainly brings a different look on the offensive side. Not as much of a thrower. He's definitely a mobile quarterback. So it's going to change the outlook of the offense. Uh, so, Steve, do you uh, do you have a prediction for what FAU is going to do this year? How do you think this season is going to go? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to, to really say. Um, Jens made a really good point in saying, you know, all the talent's there that to, for this team to excel, as we've seen in the last few years. But – Here's the thing, USF going into this week, they've played two full games against you know, Notre Dame. They had, I believe, it's Citadel week one. They've been playing other uh, competition. They've been hitting guys other than themselves. 
And a good example for me was watching Navy week one against BYU. And they just got the doors blown off them. And they hadn't practiced. They only practiced contact for a week. Again, no, against no one else, come out and get blown out. For me, it's how do they come out in game one? How do they look? My only concern is the coaching aspect. How is everything going to translate um, with Willie Taggart and everything? You know, I, I love the talent he's brought in, but can he translate it and can he, you know, equate it on the field? You know, we've seen issues with him at Florida State, um, USF, you know, struggling with his, uh, his track record, but I hope he gets off to a great start. I think this game one is huge for this program. I think if they get off to a win here, they'll be off and rolling. But I really want it to be competitive. I hope they come out strong. Um, but if everything goes according to plan, this team will be right where we saw them last year. Um, two conference championships out of three years. Um, I just want to see a, a good uh, first couple of drives and get get the game flowing for them. But um, if everything goes according to plan, like I said, we'll be uh, we'll be in good shape. One actually interesting thing to watch for this weekend is that uh, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator for South Florida are actually Charlie Weiss Jr. and Glenn Spencer, who were the coordinators for FAU last year. So they kind of know what to expect from this FAU team. They know kind of what they like to do. Obviously, Taggart's a little different than Lane, but they'll kind of have similar concepts and do a lot of the same type of things. And they know what Tronti can do at quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how how they kind of dial up a game plan against them. Yeah, and, you know, a win this weekend would be huge because that would be beating another AAC team and to beat the team with the coaches that you had last year. That's a huge deal. Um, but, yeah, that this has been a great FAU football discussion. I will be calling the game with John Stefano on FAUOwlRadio.com this weekend at 630. Uh, if you don't want to listen to me, which I don't blame you, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network as well. So a uh, big TV network, like when they're on there. And it's a bummer, too, because the first game was supposed to be on ESPN, like the main ESPN, not ESPN2, ESPN News, you know, the real deal main ESPN. So a bit of a bummer, uh, but hopefully they get on. Maybe the Marshall game gets picked up somewhere. That could be a good game. Marshall keeps playing well, so hopefully that happens. But uh, we're going to move into the NFL now, and I'm sure Jensen's about to give me a ton of uh, crap here because I did uh, – I don't even want to say it again – I said the Packers uh, were not going to make the playoffs. They are now 2-0. Uh, they have been playing incredibly well. They won week one against Minnesota. They blew – I mean, they blew them out. I mean, Kirk Cousins looked terrible. He looked terrible week two as well. Uh, but Green Bay looked fantastic. Aaron Jones with two consecutive dominating weeks. He just got me 45 points in fantasy uh, this week, which was like, oh, my God, he carried my team. I got the win because of Aaron Jones. Uh, but the Packers looked good. I thought because they lost their two best tackling linebackers, Fackrell uh, and the other guy that went to the Giants, I'm forgetting his name at the second. Uh, I thought losing them would hurt, especially because they were outgained last year. Uh, and then they didn't do anything in the draft to improve the team really right now. They kind of, you know, we've talked about it. We, they got Jordan Love, kind of questionable decision. Uh, but the Packers look good, Jensen. Uh, what, you know, what do you think about them so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm very happy with the way that they've been playing. Uh, you can definitely tell that Rodgers is more comfortable in the second year with LaFleur as head coach. And they kind of seem to be working together more and kind of built a good rapport with each other. And uh, he's like people have said, it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour now. I mean, you bring in Jordan Love to replace him and now he's just going to go off. He's just going to be Aaron Rodgers. And it's fun to sit back and watch him do that. And he finally has a running game too to kind of back him up and 
because Aaron Jones is phenomenal. He can be a difference maker in the passing game and obviously in the running game. But even his backups and Williams and then the new guy that they brought in, A.J. Dillon, in the draft, I think later on in the season when it starts getting cold at Lambeau, being able to have somebody like A.J. Dillon to bring in fresh off the bench with fresh legs and just plow through people left and right, is, I mean, that's going to be huge come later in the season when people are banked up and stuff. And then my, my concern will still always be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, not the greatest against the run, but the secondary has played really well lately. And I'm still not too sure what to think because the two teams that they've played aren't, aren't the greatest. I, I was high on Minnesota as well, but they replaced basically their entire back end on defense yeah. and lost digs who kind of opens things up for the rest of the players on offense. And then Kirk Cousins, that's just Kirk Cousins. I don't know. It's hard to really trust him. <laughs> He's been so bad, man, like really terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so I, obviously I'm, I'm very high, but I think next, week, next weekend's game against New Orleans at New Orleans will be fun to watch. But, I mean, who even knows what to think of them anymore? No, after I, I'm telling you, dude, uh, and we'll get into it in a second, I, I think the Packers will win this game because Drew Brees does not look good at all. He couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards last night. Did not look good. And this is against the Raiders, okay? And, and yeah, the Raiders are 2-0. and They played Carolina week one. You know, not the greatest team to play. And now you're playing. And, and by the way, I'll give Carolina a little credit. They had a fantastic draft, but just a bunch of rookies. Can't trust them to win football games immediately. I know Bridgewater is good, but still. Raiders, not the best team to play week one. But now you're going into the Saints. By the way, I bet Saints minus five, of course. Uh, yeah, it didn't come uh, back to uh, help me that much, but... Uh, the Raiders played really well. Josh Jacobs was great on the ground. Pretty shocking, but Drew Brees just couldn't throw uh, at all. He didn't have Michael Thomas, okay, but he still had weapons, okay? This is the New Orleans Saints. They're a good football team. So I think Green Bay will absolutely beat New Orleans, especially because there's no home field advantage. It's just who's the best team. And and also, the Saints defense doesn't even look good. They had a good week one against the Bucks, but that's because Brady threw uh, a few picks. They fumbled once. You know, you're just going to have that happen. But yesterday, the Saints defense had so many pass interference penalties. I mean, it, it lost them the game. Uh, so I think the Packers will win. What do you think about this weekend? Um, I'm, I'm definitely picking the Packers to win as well. I think Rodgers, like you said, with no crowd in the Superdome there, he's going to be able to just pick that defense apart. If you give Rodgers that much time in that kind of an environment, I just don't see how he can lose. Yeah, I mean, and uh, we can go through the week one football games now really quickly, and then we'll talk more about week two. Uh, so in week one, the Chiefs beat the Texans 34-20. to 20. Definitely expected. Came back after the Super Bowl win and dominated the Texans. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a fantastic game. The Chiefs offense now, with him in it, it makes it a completely different story. It's almost like when they had Kareem Hunt. This is, this is the Chiefs offense on steroids. They have the same guys at receiver. They still have Kelsey locked him up, signed Mahomes to a half a billion dollar co- or whatever the contract was, ridiculous amount of money. They have him locked up. And now Hilaire in the backfield, it's pretty insane to think about what the Chiefs could do. Then the Seahawks blew out the Falcons 38-25. Bills beat the Jets 27-17. Expected there as well. Uh, we can talk about this game for a second. The Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions 27-23. DeAndre Swift, man, you got to catch that ball. What did you think about that game, Steve? Yeah, I got the tail end of that game. Uh, 
just if you're a Lions fan, nothing just ever seems to go right. Matt Stafford is, I think, he's just jinxed because, I mean, that was a great throw. He rolls out, finds him there. He's It's on a wheeler route, really, and he has a defender beat, and I think he's just he's just looking towards, like, I don't know where he was looking, but other like about to celebrate. I mean, he had the ball in his hands. The game's over. And once he dropped out, you knew it was over. I mean, they had one play to run, and, and that was it. But uh, the, the Lions just fell apart. They had that game on lock, really, and, and they let the Bears right back in the game. But, um, you know, I, and, and even against the Packers, they were up 14 nothing, and they start backing up. And obviously, Packers much well-rounded, much more rounded team uh, than the Lions. Uh, but that game just kind of flipped on a dime for them. But, the Lions just can't seem to find the winning formula. Matt Stafford just landlocked there. And I don't know, just it'd be miserable to be a Lions fan right now. Yeah, because to me, Stafford's still a top 10 quarterback. He just doesn't – I mean, he has the offensive tools as well. They just don't have anything else. The defense, they never work on it. They lose Slay, try and replace him with Okuda. That's not going to pay off, you know, right away. So they don't really have that great of a defense. Matt Patricia is a terrible head coach as well. I mean, he has a – really anemic record. So uh, moving on, we just talked about that Packers game. They won 43-34. Pats beat the Dolphins 21-11. to uh, Then we had the Washington football team. <laughs> they beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-17. Carson Wentz, and here's the thing about him. I'm one of his biggest – first of all, I'm a Giants fan. I'm one of his biggest advocators. I think he's a top five quarterback when he is on. But he hasn't been on in a while. He gets injured too much. And to lose a game like that to Washington, who, I mean, they're one of the worst rosters in the entire league, and they were leading, and then they blew the lead, and you lose week one like that, went through multiple picks, inexcusable, in my opinion, for the Eagles. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's They're one of the teams that should be winning that division, but that whole division is kind of all up in the air right now. And I think, honestly, whoever wins that division is probably going to win like eight, nine games tops, honestly. It's going to be interesting. Yes, yeah, seriously. And, and it won't be my Giants because uh, Saquon tours ACL. So this is uh, tank year number four for me. I got to root for them to lose every single week to get the highest draft pick. So uh, moving on, we talked about the Raiders game. Colts, Jags. Jags won 27-20. Uh, Colts, you know, kind of off. Phillip Rivers didn't look too great. Uh, I think Jacksonville, by the way, they've come out with some fire. A lot of people, it's kind of like the Dolphins last year. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to be tanking. They're going to be tanking. And Jacksonville's like, not so fast. We're going to come out here and try and win every game. Kudos to them. Colts did win week two. They blew out Minnesota. And that's the game where Kirk Cousins just looked, I mean, like one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league. I think his passer rating was 16. Uh, that's horrific. I mean, absolutely terrible. Then you had the Ravens blow the doors off of the Cleveland Browns, 38-6. to uh, Baker Mayfield. If he doesn't get it going, he's gone. They've got to get rid of him, in my opinion. Uh, then the Chargers beat the Bengals 16-13. to The Bengals could have tied that game. Everyone's probably saw that on social media. They had the game tying kick there. Joe Burrow played a great game. And by the way, I saw someone tweet it out. I forget who did. I think it was Colin Cowherd. He said, Joe Burrow is already better than Baker Mayfield. Baker's the fourth best quarterback in that division. What do you guys think about how Joe Burrow's been playing the first two games? I think Joe Burrow's the real deal. I mean, we saw it at LSU, and people were like, well, how's that going to equate to the NFL? But I just see him. He's composed in the pocket. He carries himself in a certain way. He's, he's, he's focused strictly on football and, and the game itself. You look at Baker Mayfield. He's kind of all over the place. He's not – I don't think he's at all invested into 
I don't know, winning, I guess. You've seen all these commercials and stuff. Just focus on other things besides football. You know, I, that's just – that's hearsay, yeah. but that's just my opinion on his his overall attitude and stuff. But back to Joe Burrow, I mean, you see him in the pocket. He's making tight throws in game one, uh, leading his team back. They were trailing there at the end, come all the way back. Just – he wants to win. And everyone in the NFL does, but he just – he can't stand losing and you can see it on the sideline that he, the guy misses the kick and he's like, really, here we go. And, and even last week, I mean, he kept, he kept his team in it. So, um, I mean, the only good things to come, if you build around him, give him some more weapons, that defense gets better. I mean, this, he's in the right spot and they got, they got their guy to have them succeed. You just got to build around him. And that's just, it's going to take some time, a couple of years, uh, it sucks he coming off that high LSU. You have all these, all this talent in the world, beating everyone by 20 plus points. It's an adjustment. I think he's going to get over that and he's not worried about it. He's going to get better every single day. Um, I like what we're seeing from Joe Burrow over there in Cincinnati. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's got that swagger already to be a number one quarterback in this league. And you can tell the guys really like him and they want to play with him and they want to play for him. And I just think he's going to be a great quarterback for plenty of years to come. And he, he's also in the right situation, being close to home, being by family. Uh, I just, I think he's going to be perfectly fine in Cincinnati. Yep. And uh, now we'll move on to the new Orleans saints game. They beat the bucks 34 to 23 in Brady's first game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, Brady didn't look good. Uh, he made a few great throws, especially his first pass of the game. Uh, Mike Evans kind of left off uh, of the score sheet. Ronald Jones kind of didn't do much. He was stopped by the run. That, that was the week where the Saints defense actually looked effective. But even last week, Drew Brees still wasn't really throwing deep balls. I mean, he's essentially a system quarterback dip and dunk guy at this point in his career. And again, he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play, but you got to look at right now and what he is. Uh, but they still managed to score 34 points. So no one was freaking out. And talking about Drew Brees after week one, it wasn't until they lost. Uh, but you look at the Bucs. Brady didn't play too well. What was your – Steve, I know you're a Bucs fan. What was your analysis on how Brady played? He was 23 for 36, 239 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. Didn't play too well. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I kind of took it with a grain of salt. Um, everyone was kind of on the ledge here uh, in Tampa. And everyone – you look around social media, Twitter, everyone was buzzing. Oh, or is there trouble in paradise here in Tampa? It's like, it's, it's week one. Everyone forgets, you know, there was no preseason, limited training camp. Guys are still figuring out routes, communications. There was a, there, the one pick Brady threw over the top. Evans kind of stopped running. I think the ball still ends up getting picked. Maybe Evans gets a hand on it, gives himself a chance. But there were some throws there where you're like, if you had some preseason games to get under your belt, those throws might have been made. Um, he did make some bad, poor throws uh, that, you know, denying that. But I saw some great things. The first drive, they marched down the field. Defense got a stop, got the ball, scored on six, seven plays, punched in QB sneak there. But great things you saw. Uh, they were able to move the ball in certain parts of the game. And then they went stagnant there for the second, third quarter, where they kind of just sat back, waited, weren't aggressive enough. But that Bucks defense, I think, is for real. Uh, Devin White, Levante, David. Um, Winfield Jr. Um, in safety. I, I just think they remind me a lot of uh, the Super Bowl defense when they won it in 02. Just making turnovers happen. Just, I don't know, not a whole lot of room for, for guys to move. And 
they were out there the whole the whole game really. They gave up seventy points, a pick six. Uh, one of the Bucks uh, up men fucking drops the ball uh, in the fourth quarter, leads to a Saints uh, touchdown, and that put the game away. But uh, in week two, they bounced back against the Panthers. But uh, once again, going back to Saints team real quick, I just don't think think they're all that. Breeze uh, is showing his age. Uh, that defense for the Saints is is good enough to win them games, but I just don't know if they're what everyone thinks they're out there to be. And I, I'm not a big believer in them. I still think they might win the division and end up do winning at 10 and six or 11 and five. But I don't know. I think they're a beatable team if you get them at the right time and execute um, in, in the in the right times in the game. So, yeah, Jensen. I mean, you know my thoughts on Brady, so uh, I'm, I'm personally not the biggest Brady believer. I think he's always just been in the right system with Belichick, and he's always had a great defense to bail him out in big games and huge situations. And I mean, I can only imagine if Aaron Rodgers had a defense like that ever, it would just be phenomenal. Uh, but I mean, he's he's looked okay in Tampa so far. Uh, I think them leaning on Fournette last week was great and they need to do that more often because I'm sorry, Rollins Jones just going to be your number one running back when you have Fournette. And I think Fournette can really help out Brady and take some pressure off of him. Um, my one thing with Tampa that I'm still a little worried about is does Brady have the arm to make some of the, the deep throws that uh, Jameis could make last year. I know Jameis wasn't the best with turnovers and not too smart with the ball, but he could at least throw it downfield and take advantage of Evans and Godwin. And I just – I don't know if Brady can do that. But, uh, I mean, you have Tom Brady, you're going to win games. He's going to be a good leader. You have a great coach. It's just going to be fun watching, though, that the two best teams in that division both have aging quarterbacks with great head coaches. So, it'll yep. be fun to watch. And I'm not sure which way I lean. Uh, I lean more towards New Orleans with Breeze, with Breeze just because he's been there longer and been in that system. But – I really don't know which way it'll go. It'll be fun to watch both of them down the stretch. Yeah, well, uh, we do have one Brady believer, and that's Audio. I just texted him. Uh, <laughs> you have a take on Brady. Uh, we're talking about him on the show right now. He said, yeah, he's the GOAT, and he will win the division and make the playoffs. Uh, so that's classic AG right there. Uh, always that, sticking with TV 12. What? I'll hold them. I'll hold him to that. Yeah, right. If, he's right. if he if he's right, then shit, then kudos to Adi out there. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, he'll always stick with uh, his TB12 uh, in love with Tom Brady. I think a little bit. Uh, so then we have the. Sorry, guys, I just had something pop up on the screen. Uh, we have the Cardinals beating the 49ers in a shocker game, 24-20. Kyler Murray next to Lamar Jackson, best running quarterback in the league. Uh, I think, honestly, and this is a little bit of a hot take, I think in the long run, Kyler might be at the same level, if not better than Lamar, if he's surrounded by a better roster. Because I think Kyler has a better arm than Lamar Jackson does. Uh, and I think he's more advanced at an earlier part of his career than Lamar was. I think there's a higher limit for him. Now, I'm not saying Lamar is not a perennial MVP candidate, a guy that can go win a Super Bowl. I'm just saying if Kyler was on the Ravens right now, I think they'd be just as big of a contender as the Ravens are right now with Lamar. What are your guys' thoughts on Kyler Murray? I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, I'm a Wisconsin fan, so I love watching Russell Wilson. 
And when I watch Kyler Murray, he just reminds me so much of the way that Russell Wilson plays the game. They do so many things very similar. I think getting DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans was huge for Kyler because now he finally has that number one target that he can just go to all the time. And surprisingly, Cliff Kingsbury's system has worked great in the NFL. And I I just think they're going to continue to get better. And he's such a good quarterback. And obviously it showed his one year in Oklahoma. Goes out, wins the Heisman, immediately makes it to the college football playoff. So I I think he's a good leader. And Arizona is definitely going to be a team to watch out with. Yeah, no, I mean, they are in a stacked division. But, I mean, listen, they have a good – you know, Kyler Murray can lead them to some wins, maybe get some upsets. And the 49ers, man – they're injured a ton right now. So Arizona could have an opening, although we'll talk about this game now. Cowboys, Rams. Oh, yeah, Steve, did you have a, an opinion on Kyler? Yeah, I mean, uh, real quick, uh, I just think he they put him in the right situations. And I wasn't a big believer in him last year. I was like, yeah, he's not big enough. Uh, is he going to be able to make those throws? Is he legit? Can he equate to the NFL game? And he's proven me wrong. He's proven, I think, a lot of people wrong. The, the first two weeks here to beat the, the 49ers, uh, not convincingly, but – to do it in a fashion where they came back in that in that ball game and and kind of stuck it to them, and then going out and beating Washington, they did beat them pretty handily. It was not even close. It ended up being thirty to fifteen, but the majority of that game, I think, it was twenty four nothing. Now you're going to Detroit this week, um, who's pretty much uh, they've been let down two pretty tough losses, especially after week one, then getting their ass handed to against the Packers. Uh, Cardinals win here and move to 3-0, and and they're going to be in great shape. And then they go against the Panthers the following week. So I think Kyler's a real deal. He can He's mobile and can make the throws, and he can dish it out to DeAndre Hopkins, all his weapons, Kenny and Drake in the backfield too. Uh, just I think the Cardinals are going in the right direction. All right, so now we'll move on to the Rams and Cowboys game. Rams beat the Cowboys 20-17. to uh, This was a team – listen, the Rams in a down year. They were 9-7. and seven. They had still one of the best offenses in the league last year. I think they were top five in red zone offense. Jared Goff had a down year last year, a lot of picks. They still have a good team, though. Cam Akers are running back, although he might be injured. Uh, But the thing about the Dallas Cowboys is they are showing themselves to be, and I know they had this big comeback win against the Atlanta Falcons. Good for them. They are a mediocre roster. They're an 8-8, and 9-7 team. They have all these stars great, but they never put it together and become this dominant 11 and five team, you know, 12 and four team. They're always around nine, seven, eight and eight. And then they don't win playoff games. And then you have Dak sitting on the sideline saying, Hey, I want my $40 million per year. And I can't even with multiple chances in this Rams game win. Now I know he redeemed himself against Atlanta, but that's Atlanta. Seattle tore apart Atlanta's defense. And then Dak decided to do the same thing. So Dak, first of all, should not be asking $40 million a year. He's not that valuable. Second, Dallas is overrated. They have a very mediocre roster, eight and eight, especially Jarwin's out at tight end. Van Der Esch is out six to eight weeks. Sean Lee's out for a while. But the Rams, they're probably going to make the playoffs. They're 2-0 and now. I like them a lot. Yeah, the Rams, they, they – yeah. You go ahead. Go ahead. Jensen. All right. Okay. Uh, I mean, the Rams here, they, they – I think coming off a Super Bowl high last year uh, – I don't know, nothing was really going right. They lost some tight games. I mean, they played the Bucks in week three and lost a shootout. It was like 48 to 43 there. But, you know, I think now everything's coming together. You know, you got Cam Akers in the backfield now. And I just think coming off a year, you lost the Super Bowl to the, pa- the Patriots. It was just 
disappointing uh, after not bringing home and now regrouping after that year and you're seeing it come together again. Uh, they beat the doors off of the Eagles last week, just really kind of beat them handily, uh, distributing the ball all over the place. Defense is making a ton of stops, getting their turnovers, and they're winning games again. So um, I think they're in great shape. It's going to be them in Arizona uh, fighting for that first place spot, I think. And it'll be fun to watch them throughout this year, see where they go. Not Seattle? I don't know. I just – to me, I, I like Seattle, but I don't know. I just – I think L.A.'s got – they got some mojo this year. They just look like they're out to prove people wrong. I don't know. That's how I saw them. I watched I watched that Cowboys game. It was a close game, but it's week one. And then last week they backed it up with just kind of – just handing it to Philly. And I think if Arizona can keep trending in the right direction where they're going, they have a pretty favorable schedule. I don't know. The division can be the toughest on all, in all of football, but – Right now, yeah. I like the way the Chargers look. Not saying I'm not discrediting Seattle, uh, but I don't know those, all three teams through two and zero. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch that division. I think Russell Wilson's probably the best quarterback in the NFL, to be honest. Uh, so I'll never count out Seattle with him at quarterback. He can be a different difference maker with his arm, his legs. Uh, I am a little worried about that defense, but. Pete Carroll's a good head coach, and I think with Russell Wilson, they'll be fine. And then uh, on the Cowboys, I think their biggest – one of their biggest downfalls will end up being Mike McCarthy. I mean, we saw what he did with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and the Packers. So, through two games already, it doesn't seem like he's learned too much from his year off. I mean, he said he did, but I still see him doing a lot of the same dumb decisions that he made all the time. I mean, like that fourth, that fourth down that he went for the other day. Like, why are you doing that on your own 30-yard line? Yeah, I, I mean, like, no one's talking about that now because they won the game. But if they had lost, he'd be reamed right now. I mean, like, that that's the, those are inexcusable decisions that he made. And uh, real quick, I'm going to speed through week two a little bit. Browns beat the Bengals 35-230. Browns, though, listen, you should be beating a team like the Bengals by more. You have a much better roster, one of the best rosters in the league. Just not one of the best QBs. Browns, got to pick it up here. Uh, Giants lost to the Bears, Saquon towards ACL. Saw Colin Coward. He had a pretty interesting take about the Bears. He said, Bears are making Mitch look presentable. Uh, they're basically saying, okay, we have him for now. We're just going to make him look good, say he can be a starter. Oh, look, he's winning games, and then we're not going to pay him when his contract time is up. Uh, so then the Falcons-Cowboys, we talked about that. Packers beat the Lions. Titans beat the Jags 33-30. Uh, then we had the Colts beat the Vikings 28-11. Uh, so the Colts coming back, Rivers looking better. Bills beat the Dolphins in a close one. 49ers blew out the Jets. Rams beat the Eagles. Eagles own two. Wentz, what are you doing? Uh, you have the Steelers barely beating the Broncos, even though Locke was out of the game early. Steelers should have won that by more. They make too many mistakes. Bucks beat the Panthers. Offense looked a lot better. Brady looked a lot better. You have the Cardinals beating the Red uh, the Redskins 30-15. to 2-0 Cardinals. Chiefs, close win against the Chargers. Chargers are better pe than people think. Justin Herbert looked amazing. First game, didn't even know he was starting until the day of. Looked incredible. Uh, and then you have Ravens blowing out the Texans, Seahawks beating the Patriots. Cam Newton looks fantastic. Looks like him old self, his old self. Uh, Seahawks are 2-0. and uh, And then the Raiders, we talked about that game. So that's it for the NFL uh, talk today. Thank you, Jensen Jennings, for coming on today. We will have you on weekly to talk FAU football and NFL. Thanks for coming on, man, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, hopefully FAU can get a win this weekend and get the season off. Sorry, right. Absolutely. Go Owls.
All right. So thanks to Jensen Jennings right, for Steve, coming on. We had to the, rush uh, the recording. end of that interview because we're on right. Zoom. Okay. We have these 40-minute time limits, and then we got to scrunch it in. So that's why I rushed the end there. Uh, but then right when we ended that call, Steve just told me Giants signed Devonta Freeman to a contract. I like it. Good for him. Freeman getting another chance in the league with a new team. Uh, but the thing is, Giants just have to tank now. Uh, you know, this is the fourth straight year of doing it. Without Saquon, there's just no chance. I know the division is not that great, but you're 0-2 now. Daniel Jones has looked, eh. I, I mean, I hate to say it. I know this is year one of a full year for Daniel Jones. If the Giants get the number one or the number two pick, they should go out and get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, Daniel Jones is good. He's not great. Get Trevor Lawrence. You pair him with Saquon. Get a good receiver. Things change pretty quickly, but uh, not right now. So we'll go through the NBA really quickly. Right now, the Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Heat are up 2-1. Celtics won the last game. There's a few off days in between because they were playing a lot in a few days because the Western Conference Final hadn't started. Now the West is doing the same thing. They're playing a few days in a row, giving the East a few days off. Uh, so tonight is game three of the Western Conference Finals. Lakers up 2-0. They're going to win this series in four or five. LeBron's going to go to the NBA Finals trying to get his fourth title. thing about them is the Clippers massively choked. I think we talked about this on the show. Uh, just in uh, literally the worst fourth quarter I've ever seen. Kawhi and Paul George went completely dry. Uh, the entire roster, I saw reports after the game. Uh, they were like, oh, uh, you know, we needed breaks every few minutes. I never want to hear the term load management again. Absolutely ridiculous term. Doesn't work. Wouldn't have worked last year if Kawhi, excuse me, if KD had been healthy for the Golden State Warriors. They would have absolutely dominated the Raptors. So get out of here with this load management BS. Uh, but now the Lakers up 2-0. They'll probably win the series. Uh, so, Steve, I don't know if you've been watching a lot of the NBA, uh, but what, what are your thoughts on LeBron and AD, specifically LeBron? Some games he's been scoring a lot, not really being the point guard type guy. Some games, like the last game, he kind of goes for the triple-double, less points, more assists, more boards. Which guy do you think they're going to need going into the NBA Finals? Because it's they're going to make the NBA Finals. Which guy do you think they need more? Or do you think it's good that some nights he's this guy, sometimes he's another guy? I, I think you hit it right there. I think it's good that he's finding different ways to, to win games. You know, like some nights he takes over as the man. You know, he's triple-double triple numbers. He's, you know, taking – He's taking the lead role we saw when he played with Cleveland and in Miami, where he's the guy. And certain, and then the other night he's dishing it to AD, Kuzma, all oh, everyone. It's a whole team effort, and it, it that game too. It, it took every single guy for them to to win that game. So I think you're seeing something different from LeBron. I think this year, just, the whole team aspect. You see, everyone's involved in, in the success of for the Lakers, and I feel like. You're going to see see it now uh, with this Nuggets team too. I think they're they're kind of worn out. Two, three, one series comebacks. It catches up to you eventually. I don't see the Nuggets coming back in this series unless they get that game three win. Um, even if they do, Lakers take the next one. You're not coming back to, uh, three times down uh, in a in a big hole. So for me, I think this series is all wrapped up. Uh, I think it's going to end in five. I think the Nuggets do get one, but I think the Lakers ultimately win uh, tonight and take the 3 series lead. I think they're just there's too much firepower up front. Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray, they're just, I don't know. They, they're doing everything they can for them to win, but nothing's falling. They just can't seem to, to figure out how to win uh, against this Lakers team. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, Jokic, I mean, he's, you know, he's put himself in that conversation. I think the he's the number one center in the NBA. I think that's undeniable. Better three-point shooter, better passer than Embiid. Doesn't get injured as much as Embiid. Uh, Jokic, one of, he might be an all-time great. I mean, some guys are saying he's the best passing big man, they, big man they've ever seen. So that's pretty significant. But yeah, LeBron will steamroll through the series, get to the NBA Finals. And uh, Adiel, main LeBron hater, uh, he's saying now about LeBron James, he said he will finally win another one because his only rivals lost. And uh, you know what? He's got a good point. I mean, he doesn't have to face the Clippers. Nuggets are pretty easy. I will say, though, everyone's like, oh, LeBron only won to the finals eight straight years because of the East. One in five against Portland, one in five against James Harden, about to win in four or five against the Nuggets. So who knows what would have happened with the Clippers? I think they would have lost that series, but who knows? Because the Clippers were just out of it. They weren't there mentally. So um, I think if the Clippers were at max potential, they would be better than the Clippers. They just have the better than the Lakers, I should say. They just have a better roster. Um, I know I've been hard on LeBron. I still think MJ's the GOAT. I will always think he's the GOAT. Um, but LeBron James having an unbelievable final, really showing that he's the second best player ever, um, for sure. And I think, too, uh, him not being named MVP, too, kind of maybe a little fire under him, too. I, you know, yeah. I, I'm a big believer in that. He was kind of pissed off on Twitter. He was like, you know what? I think in the back of his mind, you know what? I'll show everyone. Hey, you don't think I'm the MVP? Watch what happens. And I think now you're going to see – obviously, we've seen him – for years now just kind of taking over the show but i think now not being named mvp just gives them some more motivation so hey we're gonna go win a ring and i'm gonna win over in the west where no one thought i could win so i just think i don't know he's a, he's an elite talent and i don't think i don't know how anyone could have seen not expecting him to win out west i just think he's just too great of a player on a stack team i the, the mentality there i think you're gonna see him win his uh, another ring here with the lakers i just don't see anyone being able to muster enough to beat them i mean the heat probably gives them the best push i think but we'll who knows we'll see what happens in this boston series though yeah and, and i've been really um i've been really high on boston and miami um i didn't have miami winning the series because i didn't want to look like that guy that just you know goes for the bold pick and then falls flat on his face um but my brother i gotta give credit to my brother he told me like in january that the Heat were going to go to the NBA Finals. And he's not a Heat fan or anything like that. He was just telling me they're better than the Bucks. They're deeper. They've got more guys. And that was before the trade deadline. So I got to give credit to my brother there on that one. But uh, I, I have liked the Celtics for a long time. I've thought that they've been the deepest team in the Eastern Conference. I thought Milwaukee would get to the NBA Finals. Obviously, that was wrong. But Boston was my second pick. I had them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now they have Gordon Hayward back. They won the first game with him back. You have Kemba, you have Tatum, you have Brown, you have Smart, you have Thais, Cantor. Uh, they have so many effective players on this team. And I think that Miami, the reason why they're winning is because of the matchups. They can match up against anyone. They have Crowder and Iguodala playing out of their minds defensively. You've got so many guys that can shoot the three. And we've talked about it many times. Colin Cowherd, when he said a few months ago that he'd have no shooters, he, that's, the most, that's the most incorrect take I've ever heard. Tyler Hero. Drogic, Robinson, Jimmy Butler can hit his threes. Myers Leonard can hit his threes. Crowder's been hitting threes. This, this team can absolutely none hits threes. Uh, even Bam. I mean, this whole team, everyone can shoot on this roster. And so they're big. They can defend. They can shoot. They can drive. Jimmy Butler's clutch. I'd take him over Paul George any day of the week. Um, 
I think the Heat will win this series, but it might be in six or seven. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said there. I mean, uh, the Heat are for real. Uh, they they have a ton of ton of guys that can they move the ball around really nice. They, Jimmy Butler, dude, everyone I thought he wasn't the real deal before this year. Uh, he's showing people that he can do it too. I mean, talk, you can cut that out. Just, <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler, though, I mean, he's he's clutch. He he can shoot it from. The, he carries the ball, drives the lane, shoot threes very well. Tyler Harrow, great young talent there. But I just think this series is going to go seven. I think Boston figured out that you know its own defense. The Heat were running took him two games. They got Hayward back. I don't know. I, two two zero series lead for the Heat was nice. It's what they needed to. I think ultimately win this series was take two two of the first games, take advantage of him not being there. But now you're going to see that the depth of the Celtics kind of start to take over, in my opinion. But this is going seven, I think. I think the Celtics take the next one. They even it up, and it's going to be a best of three series. And whoever executes late in the game, like the Heat have done, closed out like they did against Milwaukee, strong fourth quarters, staying solid defensively, don't turn the ball over as much, and that's going to be the ultimate key who's going to win this series. And uh, prediction-wise, I hate to say it for the South Florida fans, CJ, but I think the Celtics ultimately win in seven. I, I just think they're going to storm back here with Hayward back. It gives them a little bit of a boost. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really could happen. I mean, they're, they're, they have the more talented deep roster. Miami has a lot of guys that contribute, but it'll be really close. I, I just think the Heat are one of those teams you look at and they have that, like, they have that feeling that they're going to win. They come up with these clutch shots. They're kind of loose on the court. Uh, not as much pressure. It's kind of like, you know, they're going all out every night. Uh, they're just one of those teams. Every year you have that one team that just wins no matter what. It feels like the Heat are just on that type of run this year. Uh, but we'll move on to the NHL. Stanley Cup Finals Game 2 was last night. Lightning won 3-2. to two. Even the series up at 1. We talked uh, on Strictly Hockey, one of our new podcasts. You can look that up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We were talking about it. We thought the Lightning would win Game 2, regardless of whether Stamkos would come back or not. They did. They had a dominating third period in Game 1. Came back, played really well. Almost let Dallas creep back into it. Kind of almost blew it at the end there, but they held on. And we talked about it in the chat last night. A win's a win at the end of the day. And your perspective was you thought it was better that it was a closer game at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Adam kind of thought I was crazy for saying that a little bit. But yeah. uh, here, my take on the whole game was, you know, you got to ahead early. It was 3 nothing. scored two goals on the power play, which you needed to capitalize on. You were 0 for 13 going into last night and they were lost in your past 14 opportunities. Capitalized there, got up 3 nothing on a goal by Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, but it was 3 nothing for uh, for the vast majority of the game. But then the I never give the refs a hard time, really. But the game, kind of, they kind of lost the game there in the second period. I don't know if you caught it, but Dallas is flying over the place, hitting people, cross-checking, guys were getting interfered with middle of the ice. Uh, just calls were made left and right. For a Stanley Cup final game, Nine power play opportunities for both teams combined is a heck of a lot. Um, so I think that's where they kind of lost the game there. Tampa gets the extra minor penalty on a scrum from Corey Perry and Pot Cedric Paquette. Dallas ends up scoring the next goal, 3-1, going into the third period. Obviously, two-goal deficit with 20 minutes to play. You just need to get one back for the two-minute mark and get an empty netter. And they got one early, uh, 13 minutes left. 
they're buzzing there. But uh, the perspective for me is like, I think the lightning for it to be close, you're going to be playing these tight knit games the rest of the series. Uh, you're not going to have many easy wins. And Dallas is a good team. They've, they've come back game in and game out throughout this playoffs. Uh, they're not going to give up. So for me, I think Hudobin hasn't had a bad game yet. If you're the lightning, you put a three spot up on them in the first period. You had chances to break that game open. Now, there might be a game later on the series where they think, oh, he didn't play. We didn't play that bad. We got him. Lightning put a spot up on him in a one game and give him some doubt. So that's where I see it where for it, that game to be closer benefits the Lightning to hunker down and figure out how to win late. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And that's what you have to do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You got to play those close games and you got to execute everything perfectly. And it just teaches you more. And now you're only three wins away. Both teams from a Stanley Cup final. It's right there, right within reach. And Steven Samkos might come back. There's some optimism there. He took morning skate uh, before game two. Yeah, um, I, we've been talking about this. I think, I think it, it feels like it's been months now that we've been saying, oh, he's going to come back against Boston. He's going to come back against the Islanders. Now we're kind of right there. It seems like next game might be the game. Um, I don't know if they're practicing today. I've been following Twitter. Um, I don't think any – Dallas didn't skate this morning, I don't think, and Tampa took the day off physical series you're gonna I think you need as much rest as you can going into tomorrow's game give a back-to-back Friday Saturday but uh, if Stamkos doesn't come back for game three I just don't know what he's waiting on I've been saying this for weeks now I just don't understand guys are banged up on both sides Dallas uh, Fox is out Uh, guys like uh, Lindell have been shaken up Uh, on the lightning side Kucherov point have been banged up they're not 100 percent I just don't know what he's waiting on. No one's 100% at this point in the playoffs. I think he's got to come back in game three because they need every bit of help they can to win this series, and Dallas is not going away. Uh, they are just they just come at you in ways with Jamie Benn, uh, Radulov, um, Heiskanen, uh, Kibiranta. Good on the list. Both teams are stacked. I think Stamkos needs there to be there on the power play and help them ultimately win the cup for them if they want a chance. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, Stamkos, the captain of the team. You know, he's yeah. got he's to gotta show up, and, and that's a big leadership thing for them. You talked about it. It puts a peer factor in Dallas's mind. Going to the series, planning on no Stamkos, comes back right smack in the middle of it. A lot of things can change. Um, so there were NHL awards last night. Connor Hellebuck won the Vezina. We talked about that. Everyone kind of agreed he would win. Uh, then you have Leon Dreisaitl taking home the heart, uh, and that is – you know, you, you, I think you were the one that said it, Steve, that he was going to win the heart this year. Pretty impressive year for him. I just thought because he's with McDavid that he gets a lot of support from him, but he did play those few weeks without McDavid. Kudos to him. Then you have uh, Kale McCarr winning the Calder. You have Yossi winning the uh, Norris, which this one was shocking. I thought Carlson had a lock-in for that one. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Ted Lindsay Award also went to Dry Saddle. And those were the awards. So what are your thoughts on who won? Yeah, to me, the biggest shock was Yossi. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. else I had no problem with. Uh, Besna, Hellbuck had six shutouts. Was it six or seven? Six I believe shutouts. so, yeah. Yeah, so to me, that I think for the goaltenders, like I said in our Strictly Hockey podcast, each goaltender had a, a different stat they let in. Hellbuck was shutouts. Uh, Vasilevsky had 35 wins, two Karask had the save percentage and uh, goals against average. So either one was happy for whoever won there. Hellbuck, congrats to him. First Jets goaltender to win the, the award. For me, like I said, Roman Yossi winning the defenseman, uh, the Norris, which is, I don't know, out of left field. I think he was like the third, the odd man out for the nominees. 
my vote was for Carlson. I love Victor Hebney. He's a, a, a bolt. But uh, John Carlson had a great start to the year. Uh, he really was the, he was the quarterback for that power play unit and that defensive unit as a whole. And that team kind of piggybacked off of Ovechkin. He said, this is the best hockey I've seen John Carlson play since we've been together. And he had 15 goals, 60 assists, uh, plus 12 uh, uh, goal differential, uh, plus minus. And I think he was the lock. But I don't know what the voters saw. But, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. And Kael McCarr taking home the rookie of the year, Calder uh, Trophy. Hands down, great pick there. Uh, their avalanche are in great hands for years to come though, in that spot. Yeah, I think the thing with Yossi, I was talking with my dad this morning, is we looked up his plus minus. It was 23, uh, plus 23. His points were right around the same. We thought that maybe the perspective was Nashville's not as good of a team as Washington is. Uh, and so Yossi really had to carry that whole team. He was the best player, period, on that team. Carlson, maybe he outscored Ovechkin. He's not the best player on his team. That could have been the mindset there. Maybe it could have been that. Um, so now we'll move on to Major League Baseball. We're in the final week of the regular season. American League, we kind of, we, well, not kind of, we do know the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, me and Steve, man, we, we predicted about the White Sox. They're currently winning the AL Central. We said they'd be a team that if they got their pitching together, which they have, with that offense, it can absolutely rake. They can win a division. Look at them now, final week leading. Yeah, I mean, hey, it feels good to like predict two teams out of the out of the woodworks to finally, you know, we were like, we were high on the Padres. We've been raving about them for I think, I think every podcast come on. We're like, we told you so. We told you so. White Sox. We were like saying, just like the Blue Jays, if they found the right formula to win, the bats get hot, they get consistent enough pitching for weeks on hand, and they'll be right there. And now they they hold a, I believe it's a two game advantage on the. Twins, one and yeah. a half games, one and a half games on the on the Twins. So it's going to be a nail biter for the finish of the division. But they are essentially they they clinch, so they're a lock for the postseason. And that'll be a team interested to see how they they perform in the postseason. If if their pitching stays hot, they just need to score a few runs to win the ball game. Just put together five six runs, and they're a tough team to beat when you got Gilito and Keuchel really dialing it in. And the, and, it's, and especially in a five game set. Well, first of all, they got to win the three-game series first. But in a five-game series, you get those two guys rolling, and they get those two wins. You're you're one win away from the championship series. So this is a team to watch out for, in my opinion, in the American League sleeper team, along with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. It's my other sleeper, along with the White Sox. Yeah, the Blue Jays have been playing really well too. I mean, you got to give it to them. A young group looking at this season, saying, "Hey, we can slide in here," and now they're in. Astros also going to make it because they're second place in the AL West. They might end up being 500. So we talked about maybe there might not be a 500 team making the playoffs in the AL, but there probably will be with the Astros, maybe the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, the White Sox, they really have it all, all uh, clicking on all ends. They have a Abreu, might win the MVP. He's been incredible, better than Trout and, and uh, better than Voight in the advanced stats. He's been better than Voight. Doesn't have as many home runs, but advanced stats, he has an advantage for sure. You have Tim Anderson, second in batting average. You have Yoel Moncada, who's actually been struggling, um, but he's still a top 10 third baseman when he's on. Grandal, top five catcher. Robert, prospect. You have Eloy Jimenez hitting bombs and Carnacion. This team can just flat out hit, so they're going to go a long way. Like you said, they can get their pitching intact. Oakland also clinched their division. Uh, they've been great. They have a great pitching staff now. Mike Miner, he struggled all year, 
Um, but he had one really good start against, I forget who he faced, but he had eight innings. Might be taking shape there for them. If he can get in there, give them some innings in the playoffs, that's huge because their bullpen is one of the deepest in the league. AL East, um, Yankees have won 10 of 12. Uh, they look a lot better. I know a few weeks ago I was very doomsday on them. You can listen to my Strictly Yankees podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Released one yesterday. Um, but I was just talking about them. They look like they're back. Judge and Stanton getting back in the lineup. Stanton looks good so far. Judge, not so much. Uh, Gary Sanchez actually is hitting incredibly well when he hit the game-tying home run against the Red Sox, which was absolutely hilarious because they blew a 4-0 lead. Uh, Gary Sanchez in the last seven games hitting 307. Um, so he's actually starting to produce. Telling you, if Gary Sanchez gets hot, watch out because all nine hitters in that Yankee lineup are going to hit. The way Boone's constructing it, he's going uh, LeMahieu, Judge, Stanton three, which was kind of surprising to me because they kind of tend to stay away from Judge and Stanton hitting back-to-back, um, but they're putting him third. They have Voight four, Glaber five, Hicks six, Urshela seven, Sanchez eight, Frazier nine. I mean, there's not a single hole in that lineup. The question is, is the pitching. Davey Garcia, he's 21. He's been really great except for one start on Sunday. But how do you go into a playoff saying, okay, Cole Tanaka, maybe Garcia. Hap, by the way, Hap's had like four out of five, five out of six really amazing starts. Just had eight shutout innings with no walks against the Red Sox. The big numbers, the no walks. But you can't count on him either. Bullpen, you have Ottavino. Who knows what you get? Canely's not there. So Britton and Chapman, that's all you have. So what's your view on the Yankees in terms of them with the pitching? Because the hitting's going to be there. Pitching, maybe not. Yeah, uh, the Yankees are an interesting one. Uh, up and down roller coaster of a season. Injuries played a, a big factor, as we, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, but they're coming back into form. You, the, the, I think Luke Voigt said the Bronx Bombers are back. And I scoreboard watch you know, every night when I'm watching the Rays. And the Yankees are, are finding a way to score runs again. And the pro, if you're a Yankees fan and you're listening, I, I think you don't have to worry about the division. Just get the, you're, you're in the playoffs. You just got to worry about winning the World Series. And that's, that's your ultimate goal. The division titles, I think, are hoopla. Um, but you just run out, you just, for the, for the Yankees, you just ran out of time. I think if you give the Yankees a two more weeks span, they catch the Rays. Rays are struggling big time right now with scoring runs. But the Yankees are, they're on track with the offense. Uh, only thing is that worries me with them is their pitching. The third, the third starter is to me is the ultimate wild card. Do you start Garcia? Do you start Hap? What do you do here? Um, is Paxton still hurt? Is he still? Yeah, Paxton's um Paxton's done for the year. Oh, he is. Okay, yep. so yeah, I was thinking maybe you throw him in there. But right now, if you're gonna go uh, give anyone, I think the ball for Game Three um, as your third starter right now would be Hap. I think you just gotta ride who's giving you the best looks right now, and he's trending the right way. If he gives you one more really good start, keep the walks down, gives you a quality start, I think you give him the ball. But I think if Cole and Tanaka get rolling, and Tanaka in the postseason, we know his track record, just he gets on another level, um, they'll be in great shape. Another aspect is the bullpen. I think uh, another uh, an issue for me is I think Chad Green, right? He's, is he in the back end? Yeah, no, Chad, Chad Green's been fantastic except for a few blowout outings, and then Ottavino's just been struggling all year. Yeah, to me, the bullpen, I think, if they, they stay consistent, I think he's got to refine some things, just kind of spotting pitches up here. Uh, I think last night, I think, was Chad, Chad Green's in the game, right? I think I saw him give up a, a couple homers. but Yeah, see, uh, like, sometimes he, he struggles. 
yeah, it's his, his, his issue is uh, leaving the ball up in the zone, not spotting his – the command kind of gets sideways a little bit. But I, I think if you're a Yankees fan, I'm, I'm feeling confident going into this postseason. You're trending at the right time and going to the postseason. If you can just blow teams out, so yeah, power to you. I, I look at the two teams at the top of the Ailey's. Look at the Rays and the Yankees right now. I would take the Yankees right now just because they're scoring a lot of runs. They're getting good enough pitching. The Rays are winning these close 2-1 games, but the offense is just trending in the wrong way. So And Meadows is injured, Yankees, right? Yeah, so there's some issues there, but uh, the Yankees fans were on the ledge there the last couple of weeks. But now I think you got to be feeling really good going into this three-game series. I think they'll win whoever they end up facing. Uh, it could be the Twins or the Astros. I don't know who they'll end up playing. Who knows? We'll find oh, out boy. in the next few days. Oh, boy. But – you know, if you get the Astros, I think you give them a big old spanking. Uh, finger just, yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, man. And I was so I depressed know. the other day, you know, when I saw Verlander, I had to get Tommy John. And maybe it's because he was throwing the juice balls and they were a little heavier. Uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's such a mix. I don't know. It, it sounds bad, but I just – I feel bad for the guy, but it's also karma. He's also the guy that played down the whole cheating scandal. It all comes full circle, but – I don't know. The Astros here. Oh, real quick. I want to touch on that um, real quick. They play the Seattle Mariners two more times tonight and tomorrow. Seattle trails the Houston Astros by three games. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. If the <laughs> Mariners win tonight and tomorrow, they will be trailing by one game with the game in hand. Oh, my God. Three to play. So there is a chance. You're telling me there's a chance the Seattle Mariners could catch up to the Houston Astros. So we never know. There's always a shot. But I just saw that on the schedule just now. They're three games flat out from the Houston Astros with two games they're playing tonight wow. and tomorrow. So that's huge. Wow. Here's what we're watching. Keep in mind with the Seattle and Houston series. And, and dude, they've got they're they're underrated offensively. They got Kyle Lewis, the prospect, raking. They have Kyle Seeger, who's had a great year. They they have a better team than people think. So yeah, I mean Marco Gonzalez in the rotation. He's been pretty effective. He's on my fantasy team. Uh, which, by the way, I did lose the league. Got third. Uh, probably going to get third place. Total bummer, man. I, I lost all of my starting pitchers this year to injury, and had to replace essentially all of them except for Snell. Yeah, everyone's teams. Uh, my team fell apart there, and just kind of the, the yep. wheels. Everyone got hurt. No one was. Like, I know it was just such crunch time. It, it sucks too. It's such a short season that we only had four weeks of play. So, you know. It just sucked. Everyone was getting hurt. Short season, guys are shuffling in and out. One kid was saying, why are you playing fantasy baseball? It's such a short – you're screwed if guys get hurt, and that's what happens with a lot of guys. And just, It's so tough to find holes there when you're yep. in such a short season. Yeah, no, I would use my uh, waiver acquisition limit about every week. I was dropping and adding guys like every single day, playing a little GM there. I think the one game I won all year was against you, so I'll take No, that. I know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it had to be. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, if I had won one more game, I would have been a higher seed in the playoff. Just, I'm not even going to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to think about it. Uh, but National League, we got to talk about this too. Dodgers just got Turner back. Bueller's coming back on Thursday. They're going to be at full strength. Betts has been unbelievable. Bellinger, a little bit, you know, down year for him. Same thing for Muncie, but this Dodger team with 38 wins, they're great. Padres, same thing. They've been rolling. And some people are thinking Machado might win the NL MVP. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I, I think right now it's still, I think it's still Tatis. Uh, in my, that, that'd be my vote, but they've both been great for their team. Uh, carried the weight. Uh, talk about distributing the power uh, on both sides. It, if it weren't for those two guys, I don't think the Padres are where they are right now. Granted, they still have like Trent Grissom. You have Tommy Pham. You have a ton of pieces in that lineup, but talk about the clutch hits that those two have had, the walk-off homers, the extra base hits late in the game, two pull away from these teams. So right now I would give the nod to Tatis just because of what he did early on in the year and just the overall uh, the ability he brings to that team in the, in the, in the game as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I just looked up Machado's stats, 402 Woba, 156 weighted drunk created plus, 13, uh, excuse me, 314 average, 16 homers, 46 RBIs. So he's having a hell of a season. I mean, that's Mike Trout level with some of those stats. But Tatis, I mean, he might do it too. I mean, he is already, to me, the best shortstop in baseball. Um, you look at Tatis's stats advanced. He's got – yeah, no, he's not as good as Machado advanced stats-wise. He's got a 391 Woba, 148 weighted drunk created plus. So it's very close, but Machado's been slightly better. Um, but Tatis definitely has Rookie of the Year in the bag. Um, but we were talking about it last week, which teams on the periphery we're going to get in. We talked about the Philly schedule, the Giants schedule, the Reds. It's looking like the Reds. They won eight of nine, I think you said. They're starting to get on a roll. They'll probably make it. Phillies have been winning enough games to get by as well. They'll probably make it. But the Giants seem like they're slipping. How do you think that's going to play out in the uh, National League? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the Reds have the seventh seed right now, and the Phillies have the eighth. Reds are at 28 and 27. Phillies are at 500. Brewers and Giants hold the same record, both a half game out at 26 and 27. To me, I think the Giants have made a great run. Um, I just think they're running out of steam. Uh, I, I just think right now the Reds, the talent finally caught up, and I think everything is starting to click. The Giants, like I said, great run all year, did everything they've Everything they could, um, guys like Johnny Cueto, guys are just trying to put things together. But at the end of the day, just not enough talent to overcome a, a Phillies team with a Bryce Harper, Diddy Gregorius, uh, pitching side, Nola. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Wheeler. Yeah. Ar- Arietta. But so you look at it, I just think that Phillies will end up taking the eighth spot. And the Reds right now, we talked about them all year with – with uh, Bauer, Castillo, Sonny Gray, and now the bats are starting to, to pick up for Cincinnati. So I think those will end up being your two wildcard teams. And um, I just don't – I think I don't think the Brewers have enough either offense-wise to, to catch anyone. So uh, I think the, the Reds got to win three more games and they, they lock it up. So we'll see. It'd be a tight finish for sure. I can't – you can't really say definitively who's going to take this one home, but – Right now, I give the nod to the two teams in the playoff spots right now. Yeah, I agree. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the Marlins will make the playoffs too. Um, they're they're right in that mix too. Even though they're playing Atlanta and the Yankees, maybe they could lose out and San Francisco slips in. But I feel like they'll win enough probably to get in. Um, really impressive by Miami if they really do pull that off. Um, but I think they're out probably in one qualifying round. They're not going to win that series. Uh, I know they could probably throw out Sixto Sanchez and Sandy Alcantara, maybe they pull off some amazing stuff and win two games with those two pitchers, depending on who they face. 
Um, and, and because the interesting factor here is, too, once you get to the playoffs, these teams have been playing only their division the entire year. So now they're going to have to be facing teams that they really haven't been planning for at all could really change the dynamic. So a team like Cincinnati who hasn't really experienced Miami, maybe they're looking out at the outside and they're like, eh, you know, they're in the NL East, division sucks, go on an acute little run, and then they go in and face them and they're like, oh, crap, Sixto Sanchez is throwing 101 by my head, and, you know, we got to really take this seriously here. Yeah. And I think the next, the next few days will be really telling for this Marlins team. Uh, like they have the potential to lose out. Uh, they got Atlanta for another three games and New York for three. So this will be tough, especially with a young team like the Marlins, trying to figure out how to win. And they've won. They've had success. But now you're coming down a really brutal stretch against two teams that with a ton of firepower and offense, can they close? Can this young team not tense up and play loose like they have all year? I think this will be a really good test for the Marlins team as an organization for that young group of guys to see how they finish the season. That's my, that's the most, the biggest storyline to watch for me throughout the rest, the rest of this year. If they make it in, if I'm a team looking to play the Marlins, I'd it'd be the Dodgers. I'd be, I'd be wanting to play them. If I was going to oh. pick a team to play the wow. Dodgers, I'd be like, I'd be like, let's play the Marlins. Oh, let's I think you meant Miami picked the Dodgers. I was like, oh, what? no, like, <laughs> no, if I, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm playing the Marlins. I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have so much firepower pitching. I don't think the Marlins even stand a chance. But you made an interesting point there. I, I, I thought about this a couple of days ago. Was thinking, well, all these teams, like you said, have been playing in in like in the same region. You've been playing the East, the West, the Central. Now you go out to the postseason. Teams you haven't seen in a year. I mean, it's, you saw some of them in spring training, but that's spring training. So we'll see how this all plays out. This could be a very the the weirdest playoffs we've ever seen. It's unprecedented, but how these teams will match up without seeing each other for, for uh, months on hand. So this will be a fun one to watch. Yeah, totally. And I can't wait for the playoffs. It's only a week away. Pretty crazy. I'll, you know, went by like a snap of a finger. It's just here. Season's over. And we really hope that we can get back to that 162 next year. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, and it's definitely controversial, um, I was thinking I kind of like the extra inning rule with the runner on second base, not right away. I think they should wait 12th, 13th inning in the regular season, and I don't think they should do it in the playoffs. The reason why is I love baseball. I'm the biggest baseball fan ever, but I extra innings is one of the least favorite things that I have to watch. You sit there, sometimes these games go on 14, 15 innings, and you're like, okay, I kind of want to move on and do something else. And I started thinking about it, and it's like, well, the NHL has a different overtime format in the regular season compared to the playoffs. You go mm-hmm. 3v3, then shootout. NFL completely changes the rules of the game, and the NBA goes from 12-minute quarters to five-minute, you know, until someone wins. Baseball, I feel like you go 10, 11, 12 innings max with normal extra innings, and then if it gets past that point, just do runner on second base. Because one thing is pace of play. People don't like watching for too long unless you're at the ballpark. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's, it's gimmicky. I never thought I would side with it. But, again, it's like a time thing. Like, I don't like sitting there in the 16th inning like, someone please score already. I want to stop watching this, you know? So are you uh, – so you're so just to, like, for, to clarify, so you're saying in the postseason you want to go 12-13? No, postseason not, not at all. Regular season. Okay, okay. Start it in the 12th or 13th. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, there I, I 
I was kind of juggling that idea too within the regular season. Don't jump right into the uh, the runner on second rule. Give these teams a couple innings to figure it out, and then go to that rule. I think that's a great way to put it. This is like, if you look at, I'd be interested to see after the season's over how many games went past the twelfth inning. Yeah. Um, through the 60 game stretch. I really want someone to get that stat. I might do it myself and, and throw it on one of these pods just for, for my, for anyone's interest. But most of these games are ending right away. And it's, it's, it's a straight, it's a quick death for all these teams and whoever doesn't score, it, it's pretty much over. So I love the rule they implemented. I was a, a hater on it, but I think for years to come, I like the idea that you had go 12, 13 innings. And then we're going to that runner on second rule. That'll end the game quickly. I, I've been to one 17-inning game in my life, and that was the Rays and Marlins, and that was the longest game I've ever watched. Granted, I was there, and I could tolerate it, but it's a it's a grind, and not many people want to watch a seven-hour baseball game. That, that, to me, is almost humanly impossible for someone to sit in front of a TV to watch an 18-inning game. Right, yeah. Going into the postseason, obviously, you got to win the right way. Uh, you can't win on some Texas tiebreaker. you got to – you need the – a true champion, the true winner of a, of a baseball game um, in the postseason. So, Yep, yep. I completely agree with you. And uh, I didn't bring it up when we started this conversation, but I hit the IL this morning. I, uh, I strained my thumb. My friend, my roommate, he got a Wii, and he's got Wii Baseball. I'm telling you, Steve, I've been addicted to that. I used to play that all the time as a kid. I've been playing, like, all those contests, the home run derby, all that stuff. I've been addicted. Did you, you used to play Wii Sports, right? Oh yeah, I used to play all the time when I was a kid, dude. Like I, I played that all the time. My dad would play. Like it was like competitive. And then last year, oh, yeah. a couple of buddies uh, that I, I lived well two years ago, I should say, in the dorms. Like guys had a Wii next door and played Wii golf, Wii baseball, dude. That stuff's fun. Like it sounds stupid, but it's kind of fun just like play for a couple, like even an hour or so when you're just bored out of your mind. But to, I don't know, throwback there. What what used to be. Oh yeah, no, I uh, no, I've been addicted. I mean, uh, I, I go full batting stance, the full <laughs> the full show. I, I go all out for that stuff. But uh, no, I was playing the. I've hit. I've done the home run derby at least like 30, 40 times. I've gotten nine home runs, like a lot. I have not hit all ten because I, the first time I got to nine, I hit nine in a row. Then you get to the last one. They do the same speed for every pitch. The last one, they beam it in there. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, I have this timing perfectly timed up, and then you go dart right on that last yeah. pitch. He's going to roll his Chapman 106 on at the letters. <laughs> yeah, I was like, touch. what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, but uh, the other contest, you got to hit 30 hits in a row. Got 29. I can't get the 30th. I mean, it, it's it's addicting, man. I'm telling you. It is. It's fun, definitely. Like, I wish I saw the weed and just, like, screw around with it, but – and definitely a throwback. It's, that was that was my go-to growing up, though. Like, I had no, I used to play PlayStation and stuff like that, but it was all Wii Sports, bro. I was like, once I found that, it was, it was, I just played that all the time. Well, have you played the show? Yeah, I played the show. That's my favorite game. I just that's, don't have my PS4. Addicting. Yeah, that that game is addicting. It's like it's so it's so it's almost realistic now that the the graphics and everything they have in there, but just that. All around good game. I wish uh, they had it for Xbox. Uh, they got to somehow figure that out there, but um, hopefully somewhere down the road. Along with NCAA, they need to bring that game. Yeah, back. bring that back, dude. Seriously. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't. I, it's been a few weeks. My brother keeps the PS4 at our house. 
So uh, I can't play it when I'm here, but I usually go on the full season. I go franchise mode, whole thing. And, uh, no, it feels like, feels like you're, you know, you're playing. So it's always a fun game for me. And, uh, PS five will probably make it a lot better. I think I'm going to buy that, uh, this, uh, this fall. It looks pretty sick, honestly. Like uh, I'm not—I yeah. was never a PlayStation guy, but geez, that that thing looks like it's unreal. It's just, i don't even know—it's it's, the technology's come so far. It's—it's it's insane how it gets better every year. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, I think we'll end that there today. We—this uh, was a show back on FAUL Radio. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. We have this podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. We have four other pods now, Strictly Rangers. My dad and I are going to record later today for our first pod. We're going to do an off-season preview, um, and that is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Strictly Baseball, Steve and I do that one. That's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Strictly Hockey, same thing. And then uh, we have Strictly Yankees. I do that one myself. That's on both platforms as well, hoping that they can all be on iHeart at some point. And uh, hopefully CJ's back next week. We will see. And uh, for this edition of Strictly Sports, I am Jacob Brown for Steve Cashin. And uh, we will see you next time.